we were prepared to have Bible school, vacation Bible school, last summer. And with that, we had done all the preparation, had the bouncy house out ready for the kids to play in, and supper was cooked each night and, and everything. And we didn't have any children show up. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. You're listening to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalad, cultivator of fresh expressions here in North Georgia, where the tea is sweet and I might be a little bit salty. I'm here today with my friend Cindy, and um, Cindy and I met each other about a year ago. Uh, she has such an inspiring story as to how she got started with uh, Fresh Expressions that I think we could all um, benefit from hearing, particularly at this particular time in, uh, in the middle of a a global pandemic when we feel like th- so many things are kind of um, on hold or have we've hit the pause button on them. But Cindy and I met about a year ago, and what precipitated our meeting was um, the opportunity to, to receive some uh, micro-grant money um, from Fresh Expressions to get started with something that um, that God was already working on with with Cindy and her ministry and what she was doing um, in her area. So I just I wanted her to share that story. Cindy, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Tell them a little bit about who you are and um, your current context, and then um, and then kind of how this how this all unfolded for you. Um. I'm the pastor at Clarkdale United Methodist Church, and it is a small church. We were prepared to have Bible school, vacation Bible school, last summer. And with that, we had done all the preparation, had the bouncy house out ready for the kids to play in, and supper was cooked each night and and everything. And we didn't have any children show up. Hmm. And... We had workers that were very disappointed and a preacher that was truly bewildered as to what do we do next. And the thing about it is we hoped the second night maybe they would come because we did the first one on Sunday night and nobody showed up. So, you know, you hope, well, that was just a one night thing, but it wasn't. And what we did is we went ahead and had the workers continue to come, and we started brainstorming, where do we go from here? Okay, so you didn't just throw your hands up and say, oh, well. Um, I'm wondering, how many kids were you expecting? Like, was this something that your church had done for a number of years? And We had been having about 22 children, 22 to 25 children each year at Bible school. But when I went back and looked at the roster – from that, those children, all but two of them had moved away, were not in the area at all anymore. And the two that had moved away, had not moved away, were older and weren't coming to vacation Bible school. And looking at that, we, we have older families in the church, and there wasn't much opportunity in our area 
that we should expect children coming, I guess is what I'm thinking. So in looking at that, I, I came home and I whined to God a while and prayed about it a while and, and uh, went back the next day with some new ideas. And one of the things that struck me was that we have a relationship with the local nursing home that we do a worship service every Monday, or at least we were until pandemic hit. And um, we had a group of people that were very connected to the church through that. Okay. So you and, already had this relationship with this nursing home. You were already um, building relationships there uh, prior to this. So that was uh, a ministry of the church um, up right. to this point. Okay. We had, um, with that worship service, it had been going on for years before I came. I've been here seven years, and it had been going on even before that. And um, the thing was, there's a group of people that are consistent in coming to worship. But I thought, what if we did Bible school for them? What if we went to the nursing home and did Bible school? And we planned it, got permission, got a day set up, and Instead of doing it daily, we did it for five weeks, once a week at that point. And we had a different crew show up, a different group of people, people who liked crafting, just a different group. We had some overlap, but mostly it was new folks. Okay, so what you're saying is that you took vacation Bible school that was set up for kids, and you were expecting about 20-ish of them. And when that didn't happen, you saw the opportunity to possibly take something to a nursing home where you already had a relationship and do VBS in a nursing home. That's what you're saying? Yes, that's what okay. we're doing. <laughs> okay. And of course, we can't do the go outside and play games, and our space is limited, but we do crafts with them, we do singing with them, um, we take music. I have a man in the church who um, sings solo work, and he does a lot of the older hymns and things like that that he'll put on a CD. And so instead of playing the jazzed up music from Bible school, the whole time, I intermingle some of his music in that because they know the songs and, and engage with those as well. And um, and you said they, you're getting different people every week or that you're doing this. Maybe are you saying different people just in general or people that were different than were coming to your little worship service that you were doing Different there, from or? the worship service. Okay. Different from the worship service. Okay. I would have... We have about 15 people show up for Bible school mm -hmm. and with the, um, with the worship service, about three or four of them would be overlap. We'd have three or four okay. people that came to worship that came to Bible school too. Okay. So for but, essentially you're reaching a whole new group of people there with right, Bible school. Right. Okay. And after we were doing that, we did that for the five weeks and then we went to once a month. Mm -hmm. And with that, we, um, we found that some of the new people that were coming to Bible school started coming to worship. Oh, okay. So it, it fed, both groups fed off of each other. And with that, they love doing crafts. Some of them are just beside themselves. And even the ones who cannot physically do it 
mm-hmm. to have somebody, I would take in a team of people to mm-hmm. help and to have somebody stand with them and make their craft and help for them to go back to their room with something that was their own, mm-hmm. just made them happy. And it was, it was a good thing. And then I do a Bible story with them and I take some of them from the Bible school um, curriculum, but when I used up what I had on hand, I started just pulling Bible stories from the scriptures and telling the Bible stories in a dramatic way. And I found that if I take a pause, Mm -hmm. they'll jump in Mm -hmm. and they'll help tell the story. Oh, wow. And, And they get really engaged in being part of the Bible story. And it has been, it has been an inspiration for the people who help. Mm. And it has been an inspiration for the people who participate. And it's, it's just a precious time together and something that wouldn't have happened if our Bible school hadn't failed at the church. So good. Yeah, I think people need to hear that, right? The, that, that you failed at something and then that created the possibility for something different and something new that God is certainly, um, God certainly impressed upon you um, in your brainstorming, um, not only yours, but with the whole group that was a part of that. Is, is the team that's coming with you uh, the same folks that were a part of the VBS team? Have they all pivoted to this new thing? No, about half of them okay. go with me. For one thing, some of the people who were at the VBS time at church, mm-hmm. that was an evening activity, and some okay. of them work, uh-huh. so they couldn't be available. We go in the afternoon at 3 o'clock mm-hmm. and meet with the, the people at Anderson, oops, at the, uh, okay. at the nursing home, excuse me. Okay. And um, with that, I have to take people who are retired or not working now to help with that procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, going back just a little bit, what you said about it coming out of failure, mm-hmm. When we were meeting and talking about what we did next, I, I told my people that not doing ministry wasn't an option, mm. that we had to find a way to say to our community, we're here yeah. and we're doing something. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about that. We engaged with the local mission here that, that provides food and clothing and help with with bills and things like that in the community. We set up a group of volunteers to do that. Um, And we also participated in the summer lunch program locally for kids that wouldn't have lunch otherwise. But we got different things going and different people joined in with different areas of ministry. But getting it across that, okay, there aren't children here. We haven't had children in our church in a while, except occasionally. Mm -hmm. That's not our ministry. So what is God pointing us to? Mm -hmm. God's telling us to look around and see what is around us Mm -hmm. and where can we connect? And the thing that I love is that, I mean, some people would say, well, we're already doing something over there. Right. I mean, you were right. already you had a history of, of being involved 
there and of, of doing ministry there. Um, but maybe, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that maybe some relationships have deepened as a result of the time that you spend uh, with the VBS versus putting on a worship service. Would that be off base or? No, that's accurate. Mm -hmm. And the people who are, they just love to engage mm -hmm. with, with folks. Um, having people that they don't know come and take time with them and listen to them and learn their names and help them with different things that they're working on makes a huge difference. Yeah. And you think of the isolation in a nursing home facility anyway. Yeah. And now it's multiplied with the pandemic because they can't gather in rooms to do vacation Bible school and they can't gather to watch a TV program or to have a worship service. And the isolation has just grown bigger for them. And what we were doing and going in was helping to reduce that isolation. And, yeah. and, and so what are you doing now? I mean, what... What are you doing now that the pandemic is happening? Well, we're, we're certainly limited. We can't go in. We can't even take a care package and set it on the front steps of the facility mm. and somebody take it inside. Everything has to arrive by mail or UPS or FedEx. But what we have done is members of the church have written personal notes to every resident at the nursing home. That's 146 people. Wow. And they have made sure that everybody there gets at least one card from them, from our church. Wow. The other thing that we have done is uh, I am publishing my sermons um, to send out to my congregation mm -hmm. at the church. And... I'm sending them to the activities coordinator there, and he's printing them out for the people who would have attended worship. Okay. So we have those connections continuing, and I'm, I'm still communicating with him pretty closely and just sending word, remind them we love them, remind, me, remind them that we're coming back as soon as we're allowed to, help them know that we care. So you really have kind of a both and thing going on. Yeah. A, a little bit of um, the traditional maintaining that as well as the VBS. Right. Okay. Really, really cool. So, um, so you've been able to maintain the relationship during this time in different ways, um, which I think, you know, a lot of people have just decided I can't do this because of social distancing and all of the things that are in place now. Um, to kind of, you know, to flatten the curve, but you've really pressed in to continue to maintain that relationship. So I, I applaud you for that because um, I know they're probably, everybody's probably chomping at the bit to get back uh, to being able to be together in the same room and, and do some of the things that you've been doing. Um, I guess if there's a, a question, a couple of questions, I'd love for you to kind of um, talk through. <clears throat> How did you invite people to be a part of this? Or really, was it the people that were already involved with EBS that kind of came along with you or the new people that got involved as a result of this new opportunity? Okay, the workers came mainly from our planned Bible school at the church. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I had, I have a couple of people from outside the church that come to the worship service regularly and participate with us. And they have come some of the time for vacation Bible school as well. So that's, that's my worker base. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I got the activities director to put us on the calendar Mm -hmm. because there's a bit, there's an activities calendar that goes out every month to all the residents and he put us on the calendar and they started showing up. And the first time we went, there was a group of people in that room waiting for us to show up for vacation Bible school. And on the way out, I go out carrying buckets of materials that we use for our crafts and music and all of those things. And I was on my way out. I think it was the second time that we were there and a resident's daughter stopped me. She said, are you the vacation Bible school person? And, um, I said, I am. She said, well, is it over? Is it, um, what's, you know, what is going on with it? And um, so I told her, I said, we've just finished today, but we're coming back. And that was when we were still doing it weekly. I said, we're coming back next Tuesday and we'll be here at three o'clock. Bring your mom down. And she Mm -hmm. said, oh, I will. And, but it was like, there was clear disappointment. Yeah that she had missed it. She had had a doctor's appointment that day and had been out of the building. So um, getting different people, mainly the activities coordinators mm-hmm. are sharing that information. And then once the people got involved, I almost said kids, once the residents <laughs> got involved in it, they, um, they, sh- they spread the word. And, you know, when they show somebody else their little crafts that they did. Yeah. A lot of the others think, I want to do that. And one day we made masks, and um, one of the guys wore his mask. It was an elephant mask, and he wore it out in the hall and all around. And, you know, they just had fun with it. Yeah. So it got spread by word of mouth, and that's that's a good thing. I really, I think we'll have to rebuild kind of from the start. Mm-hmm. But that, they'll remember. The ones who are able to remember yeah. what we have done will still promote it and, and sell it, so to speak, with so the there's other There's an residents. evangelistic quality to it, really, and an invitation there for other people to be a part of it um, because of the excitement and the energy around it. So that's Oh, it, it is definitely. And some of the residents that make it to Bible school, they'll say, my roommate couldn't come today because she had so-and-so or whatever, mm-hmm. and they'll say, can I take the craft back to her? Can I make her one? And, you know, that's exactly what we hope for. Oh, wonderful. I know that you're making a big difference there. How how do you foresee this really kind of uh, impacting your existing church and maybe how they view their community uh, going forward? It has gotten people who weren't involved in the ministry at at the Mm -hmm. nursing home engaged in a way that they're seeing what's accomplished by Mm. being there with them. Mm. And so then they in turn tell others in the church, you know, what they see and how excited the people get and just what it means to them, how it feeds their spirit to be there helping. And, and that is a good thing. It, 
it broadens our community even though they can't come and be at church with us. We had one lady actually ask to become a member of the church, and of course we accepted that. Yeah. Um, but the, the people in church, for the most part, are seeing something really good coming out of this, and, and they want to encourage it and where they can be a part of it. So what what's one thing you would like people to know about kind of maybe listening for God or finding and cultivating um, this common ground? I talk about common ground, and obviously that's the name of the podcast, and really the common ground is that um, there is no place that we can go that God is not already at work. God is not already present. Right. We talk about pervenient grace in the Methodist Church and the Wesleyan tradition um, and that God's just inviting us to, to meet God there and to join with what God is already doing. Um, so what would you, I mean, obviously God kind of laid this on your heart and led you to, to dig in in a new way here at this particular nursing home. Um, what would you say to people? What would you want them to know about finding what that place or space is in their community? First of all, when something doesn't work, mm. look for what God's pointing you toward. Mm. Because we're going we're not all meant to do the same ministry. That's right, yeah. And as we see what's around us, who our people are and who we touch in in our outreach is going to be different. So first of all, look for what God has for us to do and and seek to understand that and be willing to try and fail. I mean, if our VBS hadn't failed, we would have never gone to the nursing home to do VBS. Yeah. So do you feel and, like this was like a high risk venture or pretty low risk? Um, it was, it was kind of a medium risk. Okay. And I say that because I mean, we didn't risk a lot in terms of going there, mm -hmm. but we needed a shot in the arm in terms of being successful at ministry gotcha. and doing something. You know, you make sandwiches for the summer school lunch program, mm -hmm. but that ends in the fall or it yeah. did until pandemic time. Yeah. Um, there there were things that we would get involved in that were short-term projects. And, and we have a number of those that I'm very proud of, but you don't want those on this podcast. But um, with that, to say, um, to say we've got to, to have something that's an ongoing, sustainable ministry that reaches somebody in our community. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, folks in nursing homes very often don't get reached out to. My friend Michael Beck says they're studying for the final exam. So you would think that they're a little more um, leaning into uh, things of a spiritual nature, but that's not always the case. No, it's not. And, and when they're lonely and when they don't necessarily get along always with each other, mm. having that time to remind them that God is present with them and loves them and knows them by name is a really important thing. Yeah. 
to strengthen their faith yes. and to remind them that God has not abandoned them. So good. So would it be fair to say that in some ways your church has a new sense of purpose in um, creating this new community at the nursing home? It was a result of a failure. Yeah, I would, I would go that far. Yeah. You would go that far? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I like to ask these questions. Um, what are you reading right now? What's got your attention? What's on your nightstand? Um, I'm reading a book right now called Hallelujah Anyway by Anne Lamott. Oh, that's good. That would be a good one for right now. It's, um, it's subtitle is Rediscovering Mercy. Mm. And the thing that struck me with it was um, she's kind of, uh, she can be a little on the sarcastic side and, and I have an appreciation for that. I was going to say, and that's why I like her. <laughs> yes. And um, she talks about how we face life and we have certain expectations. And when we don't get those expectations met, um, sometimes we kind of lose our we don't choose to be merciful to other people, I guess is the best way for me to put it. Wow. And she talks about how we lose items and, you know, I go through the house looking for my reading glasses or my car keys or whatever, and we have to retrace our steps. And she says that she has to re retrace her steps to mercy, to when she was merciful. And I think we all have that to look at and see are we becoming more merciful or less merciful? And is it toward other people? And are we also being merciful toward ourselves? Oh, so and uh, there's, a, there's a lot to think about in that nugget of, you know, retracing our steps to mercy. Well, I'm going to have to look for that on Audible. I have some Audible credits. So hallelujah anyway. Okay. And where can people find you? Um, are you listening to anything online right now? Or do you listen to podcasts? Are you a podcast listener? I don't so much listen to podcasts. I'm, I'm doing some, uh, some Zoom meetings, uh, and they're kind of random. It's more when I hear something that catches, mm -hmm. catches my attention, I'll seek that out and go with it. Um, I attended a meeting that was a group of pastors being led by the pastoral care director at a seminary that is not a Methodist seminary. It was just a friend of mine had recommended it and it was wonderful. And what it did for me in this time, it's really hard to figure out how you reach your people. Mm -hmm. And my people are less technologically savvy mm -hmm. than most folks. Mm -hmm. And so finding a way to get to them and, and reach them was really a challenge for me. And one of the most important things he said for me in listening to this, in this meeting was to look at where your people are and how you deal with their needs. Yeah. You can't do what everybody else is doing. That's right. You, you have to find a way to reach them. And so for me, that was, that gave me permission to go back to, to printing things out and mailing them or. Well, I mean, we talk about this 
in Fresh Expressions all the time, we talk about, you know, really identifying a neighborhood, a network, or a need, because that's really where common ground can be cultivated. And oftentimes, I think in the church, we think, oh, here's a good idea. Let me go do this, when it's not necessarily meeting people at a place of, of common ground or of need or in a, a network or, um, you know, really kind of doing that groundwork, I guess you could say, Yeah, you know, at the forefront. And, and if there's ever been a time of, if, if there ever is a place of common ground, I think it's right now, obviously, right in a global pandemic, but also collective grief. Like, what are we going to do with all of the grief, um, you know, even now, but on the other side of this, that, you know, when you're just trying to get through to the next day, sometimes um, you're not dealing with the grief in the way it, it needs to be dealt with. So thank you for that. I think that's that's really helpful for us to, to think about as well. So I, I know you're on Facebook. Um, will you, um, Cindy Connor, uh, that's C-O-N-N-E-R, if people want to get in contact with you or... Um, I guess your conference email, cindy.connor at ngumc.net. I do have that. And I also um, can be reached at Clarkdale United Methodist Church. Okay. Facebook right. page as well. Thank you, Cindy, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. It's been great to talk with you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for all the work you're doing. <laughs>